What's up, what's happening? You already know who it is and what it is. It's your boy Q Walker, a.k.a. Nephew Q, host of Beyond the Game. And on today's episode of Conversations with Q, we sit there with none other than Lexington, Kentucky basketball legend, Shelvin Mack, as he talks to us about what it was like playing in back-to-back national championship games for the Butler Bulldogs, getting drafted into the NBA, and what it was like playing in Kobe Bryant's last official NBA game when he scored 60 points. So sit back, relax, turn your AirPods up, and listen to another episode of Conversations with Q with special guest Shelvin Mack. Welcome back to another show of Beyond the Game. And on this episode of Conversations with Q, we got a special guest, a local hero, a local legend. He came from my alma mater, Bryan Station. I mean, he graduated from Bryan Station. He went to Butler uh, College. He was a Butler Bulldog. He went there from 2008 to 2011, helped leading them to back-to-back NCAA championship games. He was the 34th pick in NBA draft to the Washington Wizards. I mean, he's played for them, the Hawks, the Jazz, the Orlando Magic, Memphis Grizzlies, Charlotte Hornets, and most recently, I hope I don't mess this name up, but I already know I'm going to, Panathinaikos BC of the EuroLeague. I am talking about none other than Shelvin Bartholomew Mack. I don't know if that's his middle name, but I'm going to call him that today. Shell, what's going on with you, big dog? What's going on, man? Middle name Bernard. Let's get that right, Bernard. And then let's get uh, right. And then let's pop the knockouts. Papa Knock, Papa Knockos. There we go, man. My, my Greek ain't the best, so you know I try to, I try to go with it, man. But uh, we got the good. NBA Finals going on right now. You know it's tied up one game apiece. And what you being the NBA aficionado, you on CBS doing the whole analyst for college basketball. I want to get your thoughts on this NBA Finals. First and foremost, what do the Celtics? have to do in order for them to win this finals and then after you answer that tell me on the reverse side what do the celtics i mean what do the warriors have to do in order for for them to win this uh, finals so the celtics first thing they can't they can't be up and down they got to be kind of more consistent you know having 120 points in four quarters the first game game one and then second game only got 64 and three quarters so i think they got to find out to be consistent you no, know, Al had 26 and come back with a donut, I believe. Mm. The, the next game, like, that can't work. Like, Tatum not playing well the first game, then playing well the second game. They kind of got to get all of that together. And, you no, know, their defense is tops in the league, so they do a great job of defending. But just making sure they take care of the ball and, you know, getting great shots. And the other thing they kind of need to work on is um, the switches. They messed up a lot of switches, giving, you know, Steph Curry this wide open shots. No, you can't. Can't do that. You gotta know your personnel. In, in order for them to win, they need to make Draymond Green take about 10 to 12 shots. That I means they did a great job defending everybody else. And then the Warriors, they just gotta uh, you know, get the ball up and down the court, try to get in transition. You know, playing against Celtics, one of the best defensive teams in the league. It's just you gotta, you gotta get the pace moving. Don't let them set up, you know, lock into you and try to get out to a fast start. What what, what you see out there? Man, what I've seen so far is is what you said. Basically, the Boston Celtics have been inconsistent throughout the whole NBA Finals. Like you said, Jason Tatum will give you 56-1 game, and then he'll turn around and give you 10. Jalen Brown will give you 41 game, and then the next game he'll give you 15. Like, they got to get more yeah. consistent. What I think messed them they up all, in game they two. All, yeah. 
what what I think messed yeah, up with the game too is that when they came out for their typical third quarter blitz like the Warriors usually do, they switch they did a lot of pick and rolls and like you said, the Celtics didn't know how to switch properly. I mean you had De- Daniel uh Theus Tice, whatever his name is, he was dropping on Steph Curry. You can't do that to that man. Like you gotta nah, play nah, up nah, any nah. and if you if he hits it over you, he hits it over you. It is what it is. But you can't drop and then, you know, let Steph Curry have wide open looks. So I'm pretty sure Emad Doka adjusted in game three. But uh Shell. We know the Steph Currys, the Clays, the Jalen's, the the Jason Tatum's, but who are some of the other X factors for both teams that need to step up in order for help that help their teams win? So with the Celtics, I'm gonna go um, Robert Williams. You know, if he stay healthy, he can impact the, the game so much. With him being able to step up on the pick and rolls when Steph Curry's coming across half court, you now he has the athleticism, can slide his feet. You know, second team defense, all NBA. You, know, you kind of expect that from him. If, if, if he's the he's like the factor that they need him to be healthy and being able to play and lock in. And then <clears throat> with the Warriors, I say Jordan Poole. No Wiggins, it could be Wiggins or Jordan Poole. No Poole, you know, sometimes shoot some questionable shots for it to be an NBA final. Yeah, so I think he got to kind of figure that part out. And if he's under control, can take care of the ball and uh, you no know, get a great shot you no know, he's able to be effective as you can see he wasn't in, in second half of the last game you know the first half he was going in there they was blocking it he was getting mm-hmm. offensive fouls all kind of stuff so coach curry did a great job of still believing in him didn't shut him down you know he's able to make some big plays in the second half and then wiggins also if he's able to you know get the get a few backdoor cuts and just knock down some wide open threes just playing with clay and um and steph curry you no know, clay was struggling but no, eventually it's gonna turn around. Like I'm not too worried about that. You no know, shooters gonna shoot. What What about Gary Payton the second being inserted into Game Two? You You think that's gonna help out the Warriors going moving forward? Uh, I think so a little bit. You know, uh, I love my man Andre Iguodala. He ain't played at all. They threw him out there in Game One. He had sore knees. He out. So have a, a, a fresh young body in there, Gary Payton. No, definitely changed the situation a lot. So man. The question that everybody's gonna want to know: Who you got since it's already tied one-one? Who you got coming out victorious and holding up at Larry O'Brien Trophy? I got the Warriors. I got the Warriors in six. Uh, no, I think it's one twenty-five to zero. No NBA Finals gameplay. I think that plays a, a big factor in a lot of situations and, and things that people haven't been in before. No, understand like the travel. No. Going back and forth across the country, you know, you got an off day between games. The media, the media is different. Ain't too much practicing and being able to lock in. You know, take it from the film room into the into the game. It's not practice. Now you're gonna have to take what we talk about in yesterday and translate it to the game tomorrow night. And they're gonna get on the court and do a whole bunch of other stuff. You know, we like 100 games in, and I think that experience can you know can click in and playing together basically the same team for the past seven years. All right. So since, since we got the Golden State Warriors. I got the Warriors in five. I still they're gonna take it, take it in five, but that's just I mean because game one, uh, game one. I, I'm not gonna say it was a, fluke, <clears throat> but I mean I don't expect Derek White, Al Horford, and Jeremy. I mean not Jeremy Grant, but Grant Williams to give you 47 points. So I I kind of feel nah, like nah, that nah. was an anomaly. I don't think that'll happen again. So I still got the Warriors in five, but. You got the Warriors at six. Give me the finals MVP and give me their stat line of what they're going to have to average in order for them to get that finals MVP. Finals MVP is going to stat, man. He deserves it. I, uh, I don't know what he's averaging now. 
Uh, now with the averages can kind of be misleading a little bit. What he had twenty nine other day and then play like the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. So no, yeah, yeah. He, he could he could threw some more sauce on that. Got that thing up a little bit. But I think he's gonna be the you no know, MVP. They're looking for him to make some make some plays down the stretch. But overall, man, it's a great series. Uh, I just wish the Celtics could get more consistent. Now, even last series, watching them, they'll beat Miami by 20, lose by 20, mm-hmm. beat them by 20, lose by 20. So I expect them to at least get one game at home over these next two. So real quick, two quick questions. One, I'm surprised you going with, with Golden State because your man Brad Stevens is up there in Boston. What, what, what's going yeah. on with that, Shell? Hey, man, I'm actually going to game four with him, man. I'm sitting next to Golden State. He got me tickets. I, had a, I, I told his wife the other day, I said, I think y'all going to be here, but like, we here now. <laughs> so. No, oh, this is kind of how it go, go. Your dude is getting your tickets and you still going against him. But my other question is, how would Shelvin guard Steph Curry? <clears throat> I would try to pick him up and and make sure my bag is up. No, a lot of I think a lot of guards do a great job of guarding. It's just him coming off all the screens. And like an average basketball fan, like, oh, he's cooking Shelvin. He's cooking like no. It's, it's, it's Tyson sitting in the paint, and it's two-on-one. Draymond said fullback screen. You see the clip when he, when he cleaned up three people going to the basket? Yeah. Like, that ain't, that ain't the dude guarding him. You need some help from your big. Like, help that helper. Uh, so I'll just consistently just talk to my big to make sure he's up on every single screen. And if he goes by you and, you know, do one of them trick shots he make at the basket, like, that's okay. Let's make him do it, you know, ten more times. Most of the time he's going to be tired going to the basket, so – I would definitely be yelling at my pig a lot. So kids who are watching, Shelvin just gave y'all a gem without realizing he gave y'all a gem of how important it is to talk on defense. Open your mouth, guards. And the big man, you also got to talk to your guard. Let him know where the screen's coming from. It's elementary. It's elementary, man. But Shelvin, you started Brian Station. Now, before you chose the Butler Bulldogs, were there any other schools who were recruiting you, and did you come close to signing with any other school? Was there other, another school that could almost head you? Yeah, I was thinking about going to Xavier. When I was getting ready to go there, uh, somebody else committed right before. So that was one of my schools. Um, UK offered me. I didn't want to go there. I kind of understand the situation, what was about to happen. Billy Gillespie was the coach. I understand, like, UK, you know, straight five stars. And they didn't look at me as a five star. You know, I was there for three years, and they waited to my last year to recruit me. So I understand how they was looking at me. Then also, uh, Tennessee was another school I was looking at. But I went to go somewhere where I could play right away. You know, it just worked out. Going to Butler, they graduated two seniors. I know no one knew what Butler was. Like, Butler, God, this and that, playing in Horizon League. But I was able just to grind, you know, and, and, make, things, and make things happen. So, so outside of you wanting to play immediately, what was the other factors? Because like you said, most people was like, hold on, you chose Butler over UK, Tennessee, and Xavier, why Butler? So what was like the deciding factor outside of you playing immediately that made you be like, okay, yeah, this is where I'm gonna play ball at? Yeah, so the other thing would be like education. And uh, I wanted to get away from home. You know, I always been at home with my mom, went a different scenery. So it was far enough, like my mom can come see me anytime, being three hours away. And also I can get home in three hours in case anything go wrong. But I was like, man, I went to I went to campus and like UK, like there's no way I'm gonna be able to learn or get anything done with 300 other people in this class. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just not gonna happen. So you no know, Butler having 20 kids in a classroom, you no, know, it's something that like touched me. It's like, all right, I can get the get the work done. I can get the one-on-one attention I need to be able to accomplish the things I need to get done. 
Yeah, it, it was more like a, a smaller atmosphere. You feel like you get more one-on-one attention from the professors if need be versus a, a larger university. It's like you just you just a student at that point. But uh, yeah. while playing, while your, your first practice as a Butler Bulldog, explain to me the difference in that practice and how it was coming from a high school practice. Did you like throw up your first day in conditioning? Like what was that like? <clears throat> Uh, so Butler is like real different than any other school. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't that hard. I think that's why Coach Stevens was able to adapt so well going to the NBA. We really kind of like had NBA presence. Um, they kind of expected you to be in shape and do all this stuff yourself. So, you know, a lot of schools, you know, they run you to death and all that. Like we didn't do that. Like the first day, I was like, this is it. Like you know, in my head, I was thinking he's gonna do all that crazy stuff, running twenty suicides. Like, nah, I'm going to get 40 minutes of work in, and y'all get out and go enjoy y'all's day. So Damn. that was real shocking to me. You know, all the stories you see, got run five miles in 30 minutes. Like, it was, it was none of that. So it was real different. Damn. So we, we playing at Butler. We're going to get to the national championship game. But before that, national championship games aside, what was the game when you played where you was like, oh, yeah, I can do this college thing? Because, you know, they say sometimes it takes, you know, college guys a little while to adapt to the to the pace and the style and the physicality of college. So where was it when you when you was like, OK, yeah, I can do this? I would say and so it clicked twice. One of the times were after my freshman year going to the USA team. You know, when me and Gordon went there, you no know, freshman year is like a blur. We were good, but we didn't know how good we were. This is a Horizon League. Then we won like 23, 25 games in a row. That was something special, but you really can't tell when you're not playing high caliber teams, uh, caliber teams, like playing against Youngstown State, Cleveland State. Like, I don't know if we good or we not. Um, but then after my freshman year, going to USA team, playing against uh, the other guys who are older than us, playing against the U19 team, playing against Evan Turner, uh, Ty Lawson, all of those guys, and like I'm able to hold my own. I, was like, oh, I got it. Like I just got to keep working on it, and I got and I got a chance. So that's when it like clicked for me. So it, it was when you went to the US Team USA camp, and you was playing against guys from bigger universities <coughs> like the Ty Lawsons and Curran on, and like you said, you held your own. So you was like, hold on, man, I can. I'm, I'm, I'm nice with this. I forget who I was. I'm nice. Yeah. Nah, nah. You definitely forget who you are, uh, who you are going through that process. But you no, know, going to those camps. You know, Butler's not on TV, so, you know, go back. I see Kemba on TV the whole time. Like, damn, I want to know what that looked like. Then you go out there and compete against him. He's like, uh, he got to mess with me, too, a little bit. I, I, got, I got a little something for him. So, you know, it gives you that confidence. I think this will help us out a lot, you know, going back to my second year and he was able to get to the Final Four. So, you know, it's just, it's just me and you talking right here, Shell. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody watching. It's just me and you. In that Team USA camp, whose ass did you bust? You could tell us. Oh, uh, so I got another story with the, the Team USA. So after, so we did the USA, went to U19. And then uh, the following year, me, Nolan, Kimba, uh, we went back. We was like, we was, they was playing for the world championship. So throughout the camp, like, they was busting our butt. We, like, we couldn't dribble the ball up the court. Like, Derrick Rose, Westbrook, that's when they were young, picking us up full court. <clears throat> so, like, we had a thing. Whoever got the ball... Hold it, and whoever, like, wherever Steph Curry was, break him come guarding. So everybody was just going to Steph Curry the whole time. And back then, people was busting his ass. That was the easiest thing we could do. Like, with busting his ass might have been making, like, two out of five. But everybody else, it, it, was, it was ugly after that thing. Like, it made us, like, man, we don't even want to play basketball no more. <laughs> 
So hold on. So back at the the U U nineteen, Steph Curry at that time was the one who was getting picked on by all of the opposing guards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nah, definitely for sure. Because you had Westbrook. It was like a defensive specialist at that time. You know, he didn't kind of involve into his offensive game. He was just playing hard, picking you up. And D. Rose, the same thing. And that's when they had, like, Rudy Gay, Andre Godala, like, Tyson Chandler. Like, you couldn't do nothing. It was like, you didn't know who to bring into a ball screen. You know, usually try to get the weakest defender to come do it. So it was like, whoever, whoever step guard, bring the ball up the court. Everybody else just moved. Damn, that's crazy. So, so going into your sophomore year, your sophomore, junior year. Give me your career games, the games that you just felt like, oh, somebody's in trouble today. I will, ah, that's that's tough. I got to look at the stats and then I can kind of tell. I can see. I know uh, my junior year playing against Florida, Florida and Kansas State. Uh, my sophomore year, Kansas State going to the Final Four. I knew Kansas State was in trouble because I, I played bad the game before uh, against Syracuse, I think I was like five for twenty. Like I said, shooters gonna shoot, what Clay's gonna do? Like eventually, it's gonna turn around. And I'm like, I'm due for a good game. Mm. So you know, the game came. I was able to make some big plays, but that was that was a special game for me. And then uh, the first round of that tournament, I think we played UTEP, and I think I set the NCAA record, making like seven threes in a game. So that, that was that was dope. Man, humble brag, humble brag. Pat yourself on the back for that, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, I got some. I got some stats, man. I got some stats, but we ain't talking about it, man. Yeah, we are. We're going <laughs> to talk about that today. We're going to be doing all the bragging today. And if you ain't going to do it, I'm going to do it for you. But anyway, so, you know, talk to me about the first run that you guys had going to the NCAA championship game. And then we'll talk about the other run. But explain to me that process and everything that's going through the Butler Bulldogs during that first NCAA, NCAA tournament run. Yeah, we had a lot of confidence going into the tournament. Um, you know, we, you know, the year before we lost the LSU with Marcus Thornton. Thought we had a, <clears throat> thought we could have played better. You know, we didn't like how the season ended. But throughout the whole year, it was just working, trying to get better. And understand when the tournament comes, like let's make a run for it. So it was messed up against UTEP, first game. Uh, like I said, uh, I played really well. Hit hit about six to seven threes. Beat them. Next game, played against Murray State. Isaiah Cannon um, was playing phenomenal. Made a great defensive possession at the end of the game. Got a deflection. You no know, won that game. Then went to Syracuse. That's when they was rolling. They had Chris Joseph. Everybody, you know, they just thought they was gonna be the team. And they was, I think they was the number one seed in the tournament. And they played a two-three zone. I was out there struggling a lot, not making any shots, but somehow I was able to squeak that out. Then had Kansas State next with Jacob Puller. You no know, Frank Martin was there. They up and down tempo. I think we got kind of lucky a little bit because they played Xavier and they went to like three overtimes the game before. Mm. I think, you know, they had, they had some tired legs. We had a great game plan coming in. Got that win. Then we was able to go back to, to Indianapolis, back home, you know, go downtown for the Final Four. I had a lot of family and friends come up from Lexington three hours away. You know, played Michigan State. Great game. You know, we having fun doing all this. Then um, got Duke on Monday. And right before the national championship game, Coach Stevens is like, hey, y'all got class on Monday. Y'all need to go to class. I'm like, come on, what? man. What are we talking about right now? Yeah. What? So, so that, that, that's what happened with that. Though. I think that's why we lost. He made us go to school. 
we, we putting that on Brad Stevens making y'all go to class that day, man. Yeah, no, but everybody would have understood on campus if y'all ain't go to class that day, man. Everybody would have understood. Uh, yeah, the, the teachers didn't want to go to class. They're like, y'all showing up. I mean, we got to show up. Man, listen, so. man, we, we putting that on Brad Stevens. So at, at what point, okay, when y'all got to the Elite <clears> Eight <throat> and y'all was in that matchup, did it hit y'all like, damn, we got a chance to go to the Final Four? Or were y'all not even thinking about that at the time? Y'all was just focused on that game. We weren't even thinking about it. We just focused on the game. You know, a lot of times I look back on my career, and you never know how big how big things are until you look back on it. Like, at that point, we just trying to, you know, win the next ball game and, and just keep it moving. Even to this day, looking back on the two national championships, you, you realize how special it is because it's so hard for everybody else to do it. And when you're going through it, it's just, it's just another day. You know, just keep grinding, keep keep, uh, keep checking at that wood. So, y'all make it to the Final Four. After that Final Four game, did it sink in then? Like, damn, we great play for the national championship. Like, like it's just, it's just for real. It didn't sink in. I'm telling you, it didn't sink into me until, uh, until about two years ago. Uh, after all of this stuff didn't happen, uh, you know, you're just going through it so much, and there's so much changing. Like, right after the next championship game, you know, you got the NBA, Gordon about to leave. I'm trying to go to Skills Academy. I'm doing USA. So you never get to, like, just sit there and, and enjoy it for a little bit. But, no, I enjoyed myself, for sure, but I didn't get to sit there and, like, yeah, that was dope. Like, I didn't, I didn't I haven't experienced that part yet. So you was just so now we get to the national championship game. Explain mm -hmm. to me the thought process of Shelvin Mack going into the national championship game as a sophomore at this time. Like like everybody else, I'm trying to get get busy so I can get drafted. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's how, you know, that's how everybody be thinking. But no, just go out there, you know, to do the things you do, give yourself an opportunity to win. But like, playing against Duke. And uh, Andy was unbelievable. Uh, no, it just didn't work out. We had a, we had plenty of opportunities. I probably only watched the game once or twice. It comes on here and now, but it is it is what it is. Sometimes it is, it, is, it is don't fall that way. Is is it hard for you to go back and watch that game? Is that game harder to watch for you than the second time? Not really. I I no. I've been focused on doing so much more. I haven't had the chance to like dissect all of that stuff. Uh, you know, missing shots here and there. I know how basketball goes. It, it's, it's just some things work out, some things don't. It's a make a miss league. Basketball's make a miss, you know, make two more shots is a different ball game. So you never try to like pinpoint stuff that, that could happen because you know you're always gonna react differently. Now you, your man's Gordon, he he went pro after that after that run, right? Yes, he, he did. So he, like we was all excited. Um if he didn't go, I was gonna force him to go, you know, like as a kid, you going through all that stuff. You know, everybody get on NBA draft net. You looking at all that, and he popped up at like top ten. Mm. I was like, man, you better not come back to school with us. It's like it's what you work so hard for. You go to school to get a job. You got an opportunity right now. Like you gotta go for it. Like, you work. You we did played against the best players in the summer. Like you ready? So you know, go for it. It was, it was pretty dope, and that's why I said we wasn't able to process the national championship because you know everyone's goal is to be in the NBA. So soon that was over. We think about the NBA. so. At, was Gordon actually considering coming back? Yes, he's real big in uh, academics. Um, you know, him and his family real big on on getting the, the degree. I think he's still finishing up, trying to get that done now. But, you know, you got to come in and talk some sense into him a little bit. So here we go. Going into the junior season, Gordon's no longer here. Shelvin's one of the team leaders. 
what was the thought process going into that junior season? Did you guys think that you could pot potentially make another deep run? Or was just, all right, let's just see how the season goes? We thought we could. You know, early on in the season, we was kind of struggling. We didn't pretty much didn't play well. You know, everyone knew who we were, was looking for us, gunning for us. And then we everybody's big game every single night. So it took us a while to adjust, adjust to it. But we understand like our core values and who we are as a team. So, uh, you know, just taking it one game at a time. We lost a lot of games. I think we might came into the tournament like a ninth, an eight seed, you know, uh, 500 win the conference tournament. But, you know, got hot, at, got hot at the right time. And a lot of people don't remember a lot of plays happened for us that, that got us to the national championship again. Um, first round, ODU won like on a, on a buzzer beater, like a last second tip in. Then um, a game against Pittsburgh when I had the crazy foul at half court. Then, uh, then they fouled, so we won on some free throws at the end. It's just uh, a lot of things got to go go your way to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. All right, so y'all get back to the Final Four. Now is the mindset like, oh, shit, we got here twice. We got to win it this year. That was definitely the mindset. Uh, no, and we had VCU. You know, we like, we good with VCU. They kind of match up similar to, uh, like, the same size. You know, Butler, you always undersized. No, uh, compared to other schools, that's the biggest difference between a mid-major and high-major is the big man. They just have bigger big man. Like, the guards are kind of similar. It's a lot more big. So, we had VCU, got them out the way, and then we played UConn. UConn was just hot at the time, but we know our defense is pretty good. You know, UConn is able to make it there after Kimba went on that tear in the, in the garden, mm -hmm. winning five games in six days. And we just thought it was going for us. Then we got out there and we started shooting. When not going in, brick, brick, brick. It is like it, it just is what it is, man. So when when that was happening, was it just like, man, it just ain't our night tonight, bro. It, it just ain't gonna happen for us. That's what it was looking like, and the same thing for them. The thing was like the lowest scoring championship game ever. It's just, it's just whoever hit the last shot gonna win this game, and, that, and that's kind of how it played out. So, man, so we go down in Butler history. Y'all Butler legends because, you know, y'all went to back-to-back -back NCAA t uh, title game. So after your junior season, are you contemplating coming back or is your foot like one foot in the door, one foot <coughs> thinking about going to the league? Um, it was like I had a toe in the door and I was out. And I was out. I was ready to go to the league. <laughs> like I had uh, – it was nothing else I can accomplish, like – Basketball-wise, in college, and I had an opportunity to, you know, to get a job. You know, you go to school to to get a job, and my job was going to be playing basketball. So it was that's kind of how I was looking at it. I understand where I was going to go, and uh, the other things. The only thing that kept my toe being in the door is that that same year the NBA was going into a lockout. So I didn't know how long that could last. I could be finishing my degree. Uh, no, I need a place to stay. I didn't have any money. Being a college student, wasn't no NIL deals. I could save some stuff up back then. So. That stuff kind of played into it, but I, I always knew I wanted to kind of go to the league, and that was my best opportunity. All right, so now you, you've made the decision. Shelvin Max entering his name into the 2011 NBA draft. Talk talk me through that draft process. Like, how many teams did you work out for? Did you did you hear any stories? Like, because you know, some players will say, "Oh, well, I got drafted by this team." But they told me if I was going to be available, this team was going to draft me. So talk me, walk me through that whole NBA draft process. So I worked out for about 20 teams. Like, no one can kind of figure me out. It's like, he's at Butler, he's a small guard. You know, then I'm kind of, say I got broad shoulders, kind of heavy built or whatever. Like, no one can kind of figure me out. And majority of the time in college, I played the two. I didn't play the one. 
And it's not too mean, you know, 6'2", six 6'3", six shooting guard in the league. So, worked out for 20 teams. I did pretty well. So, I can go anywhere from 24 to about 40. Um, 24 was OKC. I think they drafted Reggie Jackson. 28th was uh, the Spurs. That was one of my other teams. They took Corey Joseph. And then uh, the Wizards needed a point guard to back up John Wall. And you know, they drafted John the year before. So like I fit right in there. I kind of knew where I was going to be at. Excuse me. There's just certain things that's played out that uh, you know, I ended up going going to the Wizards. But I didn't get I didn't get any promises. Like some people tell you, like it, it wasn't none of that. It was just slow grind. Everything I've been through in my life is grinded out. And you no know, wish for the best and hopefully some, some things will work out. So uh, majority of people really don't understand what an NBA, because you said you worked out for 20 teams. Explain to me what a workout is, because a lot of people don't really understand. I know what goes on through a workout process. So explain to the people when a team brings you in, what's a <clears> workout? So when team brings you in, you got to fly. So I flew to 20 different cities. You know, being on the road is kind of kind of difficult. You know, you're not sleeping in your same bed. Also, people don't realize you're not on an NBA team yet. So you don't have that same medical attention and staff that can take care of your body like so you gotta you know take care of you, you gotta have to take care of your body make sure you go to massage envies and and do all that stuff but you, you know you show up to the gym usually get breakfast and they do a medical exam on your body um make sure your ankles all of that stuff is you know working properly and, and it's on its path to be be pretty good you know they're investing millions of dollars in you they want to know every single thing that's wrong with your body so you have that you also do um you know if you have a Previous ankle knee injury, you do a, a few MRI, and it's usually you and five other guys. So it's usually six people in the workout. You know, you just get out there, you play three on three for a little bit, compete, and you do a whole bunch of like shooting drills. And, uh, and you have the interview process. They want to you know get to know you, see how you how your mind, how you think, um, and you know how how you be able to fit into the, the overall system and their organization. So you, you said one-on-one, -on -one, so I got to know. I got to know. Who was you giving the business to in these one-on-one -on -one workouts? So I, I, I was I was all over the board. I okay. say everybody I played against, I kind of held my own. But me and Norris Cole were probably, probably did about four or five workouts together. And, you know, he went to Cleveland State while I was at Butler and Horizon League, so we played each other all the time. But me and him, like, had so many battles going throughout that process. He is, he is similar to... In the same situation to me, you know, being in Horizon League, they know who, how good he is, if he could play at the at the level, and you know, he ended up going to Miami and uh, throughout that. But we had we had furious workouts. So, how my own against now? I think also my class 2011. I think it's one of the best draft classes ever. Let me know if I'm wrong, but I, I think we up there. Speak on it, bro. Yeah, it was one of the best draft classes. Speak on it. Speaking of one on one matchups. It's just popped in my head and it's off subject, but I got to know this. I got to know the answer to this. Gordon Hayward and you probably had some one-on-one -on -one battles at Butler. Who won majority of those one-on-one -on -one matchups between you, Gordon Haywood? I would say probably got to be 60-40 me. Okay, we'll roll with that. 60-40 you, all right, giving Gordon Haywood buckets. Yeah, because a lot of times it wasn't, it wasn't post-up games or whatever. It wasn't, mm. it was kind of centered around for me to win. He wasn't playing from the block. You're going to play from this spot and this spot only. And if I win, we're not playing again. <laughs> and if I lose, we're going to play a few more times. I, I think that's kind of how – that's why I got the upper hand on the 60-40. Of course. If I take his L, not nah, run it back. 
Run it back. Yeah, um, I got my done. If I win, I gotta go get something to eat. I'll be back. Yeah, I got study. I got class. I got class. I'll be back. <laughs> back. Back. So now we come up to draft night. Did you kind of have an idea, like you said, OKC, Spurs, and the Wizards? Did you kind of have an idea of exactly where you was gonna go, or were you surprised that when the Wizards picked you, you was like, dang, I, I, I was kind of hoping, but I didn't really expect that. Um, a little bit of both. I really thought I was going to San Antonio. That's what I thought. Um, I did two workouts for them. I went down there most of the time. You know, it's a big decision. They was good at the time. I'm gonna say the next year they won the, the next year they won the championship when they beat Miami. So you know, I was kind of looking forward going there, but. Uh, that didn't happen, but you no. Know, after that first round, go get a little, get a little nervous, especially when the teams you worked out two or three times for, they ain't pick you. It's like, all right, on to the next one. Then, you know, you got to sit there and be be patient. It's something like, um, like I've been through before, so you now I was mentally prepared and ready for it. And, you know, a lot of people kind of get upset when they don't go in the first round, but I was just trying to get the best situation for me to play right away. What, what what was you doing draft night? Was you kicking it with your peoples? Or you was out, you know, just celebrating the night, not really paying too much attention to it, trying to keep your mind off nah, of it? No, I, I was in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, at Malone's out Taste Creek. We rented up the, uh, the upstairs room. I was sitting there with some of my closest family and uh, my wife, just sitting there watching the game. I think after I got drafted, we went down to Drake's to, Drake's to have a few drinks. And then, I, you know, I went to the hotel. I had to fly out the next morning real early to go to the team, you know, get to know them real quick because the lockout was like three days later. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that had to happen within those two or three days. So that's 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 kind of how how my night went. I wasn't in New York getting filmed on TV, not going in the first round, looking in the stands, looking silly. I kind of knew where I was at. I, I didn't want to go through that. So no, I went on home. They went on back to the crib in Lexington. Did you have an invite to go and, and sit up there? Or did you just say, you know what, I'd rather just be at home with my peoples? Uh, pretty much everybody kind of get an invite. You know, everybody don't get the table. I, I, didn't, I didn't have an invite to sit at the, at the green table. I was going to be in the stands, you know what I mean? So I was like, I'm going to go to sit at home, be with my family, people supporting me the most, that you know, been through it and enjoy this moment together. Man, so, so now you a Washington Wizard. You get that phone call telling you they're gonna draft you. You like you said, you know the lockout was three days later. When you when you finally do get into training camp, what's your thought process? What's going through your head? First first training camp. I was like, man, I was like, man, this shit real. It's like you know, you got the media, everybody there, and then uh, you know, we had a real short training camp. It might have been three days because we had to get the games rolling. That was the year we played back to back to back. So. Uh, I remember we played Philly twice in preseason. It was with Lou, Elbrand, uh, Drew Holiday, Evan Turner. That's when it was really good at that time. And they was just smacking us. They smacked us every time we played. And as I was seeing like, how good they were, the attention to detail, and then following the game plan. It's like, that's what I want to be. I got to keep working at it and get and get to that point. But showing up at training camp, my locker right next to Rashad Lewis, watching them play. The, the Lakers and the finals, it was um it was very different. And like something you always dream for and wish on. Like I was basically my real life my my player in two K. So <laughs> I, I enjoyed that thing. Alright, so, so we in the league now. Talk to me about the experience of getting in the game, a regular season game for the very first time. Was you nervous? Was you jittery? Was you just like starstruck? Like what was what was that <clears throat> feeling like? Uh, I was a little nervous, but like all the jitters got out. 
because uh, like I said with the USA thing, I kind of pretty I pretty much played everybody before. So uh, we're playing against D Rose. I'm going against D Rose. The difference was with the USA and playing somebody in a regular season is that the USA everybody's on one team. It's all USA. But playing against you know Chicago when D Rose is there, hey, that's the, that's the people's champ right there. That's the MVP. Fast don't lie. So like it's different when you're in a game and he scores and everybody go crazy. Like, now USA, not so many people going crazy. We all on the same team. But when he scored, your fans going crazy, his fans going crazy. It's just a di- <laughs> different atmosphere and, and, and a different vibe. So, you, you like you mentioned, you get in the game. What was the moment outside of Derrick Rose when you was like, hold on, bro, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can we slow this shit down a little bit? What's going on down here? Or uh, was you like, immediately when you got in there, you picked up the pace and you was good? Nah, it took me a while to, to get that pace down, yeah. Not being on a good team, it was kind of hard too. You know, we started off on eighteen. We was getting, you know, I ain't lose eighteen games in one season at all. Yeesh. Started off on eighteen. I'm like, woo, 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 woo. They're like, <laughs> coach about to get fired. Like, I, I ain't never had a coach fired in the middle of the season. Like, none of this stuff. So, there's a whole bunch of other stuff going into it. Uh, you know, had teammates fighting. It was a wild. It was a wild welcome to the NBA kind of uh, situation for me coming into. Especially going to Butler. You know, at Butler, everybody's laid back, team first. You know, and, uh, no, that Wizards team is just kind of different. So, y'all, y'all had some internal fighting going on within that, that Wizards team as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's well documented. This, uh, you know, our, our starting lineup was uh, John Wall, rookie, Jordan Crawford at the shooting guard, Nick Young at the three. Andre Andre Blatch at the four and JaVel McGee at the five. Oh my God. I, I, that, anyway, that, <laughs> then I see why I see young, I get the 018 start now. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's the young JaVel too. It, 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 it ain't this JaVel you see now with, with the Suns and with the Warriors. This, this is JaVel you know, getting a rebound, going full court, jumping from the free throw line down by 30, like that. that when when you see stuff like this going on, you you probably on the bench saying, "Man, what the hell is going? This is not how I thought this shit was gonna play out like this." Nah, for real. But I had some great vets, um, Mo Evans, Rashad Lewis, and Roger Mason. They they always put me like, "Hey, man, this ain't this ain't the NBA. Don't don't this ain't it." You know what I mean? It's just, um, it's just yeah, just how the team fell into place that year. So okay, so they didn't want you to get the wrong. Uh, perception of what the NBA life was like, so they was trying to tell you, "Nah, look, you one of the good ones. What you see out here on the floor, this this ain't really the NBA life. It ain't really." Yeah, yeah. what well, you see out here on the floor, we see in a locker room, we see at at, the, at dinner. This ain't it, nah. Dang, I I can tell by the smile on your face talking about these Washington Wizards time. You got so many stories you could tell, but you can't tell them on camera. I can just tell by the smile you got. Oh yeah, nah, that when I when I come to Lexington. Next time we can chop it up or whatever, man. It's, it's, yeah, it's some crazy I, I stuff. Some, some of these stories, man. A young Javel, a young Nick Young, and a John Wall all on the same squad. I can only imagine what was going on in that locker room. Nah, yeah. And John was the the good one at that time. He's still a good one. That's my dude. But like, it was just it was toxic. Put it that way. Man, toxic, toxic relationships. So getting into the league, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you play for a couple of different teams. Who was the best player that you ever went up against head to head in the NBA? Best player, 
that a lot of people don't talk about or like what? A, a, a guy that nobody talks about a lot that you went up against. He was like, hey, man, he's solid. He's all right. Uh, yeah, that's a few. I say Drew Holiday. People don't realize how good Drew Holiday really is. No, um, last year, him winning the championship, he was able to see it. But before then, like, people didn't realize, like, that dude a beast. And it's, 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 it's some problems, and people don't understand. He's he going to get a bucket on you, <laughs> real fundamentally sound, and lock you up. And, and, and it's pretty, half the time, there's nothing you can do. It sounds like Drew Holiday is the point guard version of Tim Duncan. Is what it sounds like. <laughs> That's exactly what it sounds like. It's real fundamental. Spin, spin, pivot. Core strong. Pump fake. J. And, and then going to pick you up. Ball pressure full court. What's happening? What's happening? What you going to do about it? What you going to do about <laughs> it? So what, what was your career game in the NBA? A game where you was just like, oh, yeah. I, yeah, this is it right here. I said one on was with uh, – with the Hawks against the Pacers in the playoffs, I think I had like 20, 24 coming off the bench. I got hot. Uh, it was my first time playing in the playoffs. It was in Indy. That was real special for me. And then also when I got traded to Utah, we ended up playing the Wizards again. And the same coaches, coaching staff and all that. You know, you got to, you know, you got some juice build up when, when they let you go and all that. I think I had my career night against them. I gave them 30. So that, that felt good. Yeah, he said he said it like it was nothing. I gave him thirty. Yeah, tell him quit playing with me. They should have kept me. <laughs> nah, for real, John, John, my homeboy. I had to talk to him a little bit. Oh, so oh, okay. Is it now? That's another question that a lot of people want to know. Is it really that much shit talking going on on the court? Um, a little bit. It just depends. Um, a lot of times it ain't, it ain't. Some people just be talking. You know, they talk. Yeah, but you gotta be real careful of who you're talking to or whatever. You know, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, some some people will pull out the NBA, uh, the money card on you a lot. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you got you to be chill a little bit. I just seen that happen a few times. It, it, it ain't a good sight. Who, who, who's some of the guys that you just leave them alone? Like, bro, just, just let him, don't say nothing to him. Just let him do his thing, bro. Who's, who are some of those guys you know not to say nothing to? Uh, so, it's like, especially me coming off the bench, being a, a role player, is like some stuff I can't get away with. Like, I'm not going to talk too much to trash to like I say Damian Lillard playing against him it's like if I start, start talking trash to him he can get hot but he also can shoot it 10 times in a row mm -hmm. so he can keep shooting till he make it I, I don't even I don't even might got one this is gonna just look bad no matter which way it goes like, <laughs> so so you gotta be careful of those kind of situations did you ever say something one time and it was like damn I should have did that and a player got off nah so most of the time when I started talking it's after, uh, no, I, I kind of knew my, my my minutes. So I come in three minutes in the first quarter, come out about seven minutes in the second, eight, seven minutes in the second. And then the same thing, third quarter, three minutes. And then like eight, depending on how I'm playing, between seven and nine minutes in the fourth quarter. Cool. Then when I'm on the sideline, that's when I, I that's when I get to talking right there. When I know I ain't going okay. back in, like, that's a good night, bro. Yeah. Okay. That, that, okay. That's when I start turning up. Shell been playing all these years and they say nothing to nobody. I know you had to say something to somebody at some point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now you say stuff, somebody might shoot in the corner. you like, oh, he with us. Like, he on our squad when he, we smack the backboard or something. <laughs> like, little stuff like that. So, you, you talked about, you know, the, your playoff performance. Obviously, that was probably your most memorable playoff performance. But 
explain to people the different atmosphere in a regular season game versus a playoff game because you you hear NBA players talk about how the the, the playoffs are just so different. So explain to me the difference between a regular season game and a playoff game. The best way I could put it for people to kind of understand, say we playing Connect Four. Like if I just meet you at the airport and we play Connect Four one time, like I might win. That's the regular season. But then if we play Connect Four and I got a four hour layover, I understand your moves, I understand where you want to go first. If I go here, this and that, and this makes it a, a lot more difficult. In the NBA, it's the same way. It's like you might see a guy twice a year, but then in the playoffs, I might see you seven times in a week. I know every single thing you're going to do. I got all the film. I've been studying. I'm looking forward to it. And it, it's just completely different. In the season, you might have a bat. I might play Philly and then the Lakers. I, mean, I might play Phoenix, then the Lakers. And I play Phoenix first, then the Lakers tomorrow. Like, I might have two hours to prepare to look at the scouting court and see your tendencies. For the playoffs, I got four days or I have a, a certain amount of time before we get ready to play. And I know everything you're going to do. Like, so say Wednesday, it'd be the 10th. Nah, Wednesday would be like the eighth day in the Golden State Series. Right? So they, they only played two games. So I got eight days to look at everything what Steph Curry does or what Jordan Poole does. Mm. And it's it, it's easy for me to lock in. Because you only got to focus on one specific opponent for X amount of days. Um, you know, yeah. Shell, you, you, you played up against some greats. I mean, some all-time greats, some legends. You played against LeBron, maybe not match up, but you played against LeBron, KD. You played in Kobe's actual last game. Explain to the people what it's like when you're playing against these legends on the court that makes them head and shoulders above everybody else and makes them legends. Yeah, I think they their mental capacity is was really separates them from certain players becoming like mega stars and superstars. Um, I don't think people understand how much hate these guys deal with just traveling in day to day basis, and how much love they give, and how much positive energy they give people. Like I tell people all the time, like LeBron can go to any team, like the ball boy gonna feel good, the scores keeper gonna feel good. It's how that aura around them that it just pumps everybody up. And it takes a special individual to do that. And his mindset, knowing that, like giving a little kid a high five, uh, no, no, change his life, change his day well, uh, with that. But being able to lock in, taking care of their body, like LeBron going on 19 years, spending a million dollars on his body every single year, doing the small things that you no know, people don't like to do. A lot of people don't like getting in the cold tub. They consistently do it every single day. That's what separates them from somebody else. So... You ever got switched? I know. I know you in the Kobe game. Kobe gave you fifty of his sixty. But outside of that, when you got switched onto the KDs and LeBrons, what was your thought process like? How was that? Like, what walk me through that process of guarding one of these greats? All right. So first off, we can pull the clips up. I had zero of of, of that of that Kobe game. Zero. Okay. My you hear me? My bad. My research uh, got it wrong. Yeah, he got it wrong, got it wrong. But guarding, like, Katie and Steph, uh, like Kyrie, some of those guys, honestly, to me, are easy to guard. It sounds crazy, whatever. But the reason I said easy to guard, because I watched them so much, you know, this admiring their game. I know all their tendencies. And, you know, sometimes they just talking to me, they're going to make the shots. But I, I, I think I could do a great job of contesting. Like, I know what you're going to do right here, because I love watching your game. I didn't, I didn't work on some of the stuff. So you right here on this left elbow, I know you're going to take two dribbles and shoot it. 
So I, I know that. I, uh, I don't have to worry about you hitting me with a bop bop, a counter move, a spin move, because you're going to get to your spot and shoot. So it's easy for me to contest. But some guys who you just don't be able to watch a lot, like like coming into the league early on, you just don't know what they're going to do. Like early on, I just love Ben Gordon a lot. But um, you no, know, early on, he got so many counter moves, I don't know what's coming, and it's very difficult to guard. But if I know you're going to do two dribbles and just shoot it in my face, I can guard that pretty well, whether you're going to make it or miss it. Ben, ben Gordon's another guy. Y'all, y'all games was kind of similar, you know, short uh, shooting guards, kind of, you know, stocky guards. Uh, ben Gordon was nice as well. But um, before I get you out of here, who would you have, who it on your NBA Mount Rushmore, your top four, and rank them, Shell? All right, I'm getting my four, then we can rank them. All right. I got LeBron. Okay. Kobe Jordan. Uh, that fourth one. Ah, who that fourth one? Did? That fourth one. Part gotta go with go go with, go with Shaq. Okay, now go ahead and rank them. Let's see who we got. One, two, three, four. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see this. Ah, uh, I got I got uh LeBron one, Jordan two, Kobe three, Shaq four. Well. When I heard this, I feel sorry for your mentions because they great come out. How the hell you gonna have LeBron number one? And you played against man, but hey, I'm right there with you. No argument from me. Uh, we hey, man, about- hey, you got Go you got you gotta respect the game, man. I, I, like we can address this a little bit. It's like people, how can LeBron be number one? Who so who, who your top up? Give me your top up. Oh, I'm top. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna go with Braun one, Jordan two. I know people are gonna hate when I do this because the guy that you got in there, I don't have in there, and I know it's gonna have a debate, but that's neither here nor there. But Shaq three, uh, who would I have in my four? Ooh, that's that's tough. That is tough. Ooh, I would say Magic. I would put Magic as my four. I I know you was getting ready to say that. Come on, man. You, oh, you, so you still going? You going off this patch? That you facing it off of, man? Come on. <laughs> because man, look. I, the Showtime uh, Lakers still needed somebody to run the show for that team. If you put another point guard right there, they are not winning five championships in, in the 80s. Kareem was coming off of being Kareem. And with the, the type of players that he had on his squad, you had, of course, Byron Scott. You had Michael Cooper. You had James Worthy and a, a, a aging Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Magic Johnson was everything to that team. You take him off of that, they don't win not one championship in the 80s. Not one. Now, I know people going to say, why ain't you got Kobe? And it's 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 really this simple. Kobe got five chips. For three of those five, he wasn't the best player on his team. So I can't put you in the top four if you wasn't even the best player for majority of your rings. I, I just can't do that. I just can't do that. No, he, he was the best player. He wasn't the most dominant. That's the difference. There is a difference. But Shaq's three finals MVP says a little bit different, though. Yeah, but you're, but you're basing it off four games instead of 82 games. So tell me, what, what can Shaq do better than Kobe? Can he shoot better than Kobe? Can he shoot well, threes better than Kobe? Well, see, that's, well, see they play different positions, so you really can't you can't make that, that, that No, you can't. Now we're doing center to, to shooting guard. No, you, can Dirk shoot better than, than, than Kobe Bryant? <laughs> yes. Yeah, but he's a can, uh, Okay, so then can, we put can, like Jokic, can Jokic shoot better than Kobe Bryant? I think so. Jokic got that thing. He can shoot that trade ball.
Okay, so you name two two NBA been around for seventy five years. You name me two centers who can shoot better than Kobe. Uh, See, it, it, those no, are, are anomalies. I, I think I know Mo Spates. He was the center. He could shoot better than him. Ain't nobody still uh, know Mo Spates. He shuts the floor. What are you talking about? Ain't nobody still know Mo Spates. Mo Spates uh, ain't yeah, even yeah. top top twenty all time greatest Golden State Warriors. Ain't nobody talking about no Mo Spates. <laughs> nah, but what I'm saying is Kobe is more skilled than Shaq. Shaq's more dominant. And you can go. Who played better defense? Shaq. Oh, I never seen Shaq lock anybody up. What is that? I've never said, I've never heard it. Have you ever seen a game of somebody talking about Shaq had a lot of blocks? I, I, I give it to you like this there. Hold on. I can't remember. I can't remember which three Peter was. I want to say it was the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, he almost had a quadruple double. I think he had like 28 points, 16 rebounds, nine assists, and eight blocks. So Shaq gets Who busy on. Yes, he was blocking the Kimbe with Tumbo. Come on, man. Or or a 5'10", Allen Iverson. Like, what? Well, Okay, so so the, uh, so you, we you give credit you, you to me for, for guarding the five ten Allen Iverson, dear. No, no, we just that's one player. He still had guard T Mac, Vince Carter, D Wade. There's a whole bunch of other people he had to, he had to do on a nightly basis. Okay, so He's we, a better we, we just gonna leave out that you know Shaq had to go through Akeem Olajuwon, David Robinson, um, Patrick Ewing, Rick Smith. We, we we gonna leave out these guys that Shaq had to go through. Uh, yeah, for four years from ninety six to two thousand, oh, so they was gone. Six to two thousand. Oh, so that's, what, that's, that's what you're doing. No, that's what you're doing. You, you went from ninety six to two thousand. The people you named, yeah, played in that time after from two thousand. Was Shaq retiring what, 2012, 13? Yeah. So we, yeah. we so just gonna excuse excuse ninety two to to, to ninety six. We just gonna leave that out. You weren't doing nothing. He was a young pup, he went man. to the finals. <laughs> he went to the finals. They weren't doing nothing. When in ninety what ninety five. 95 when the Orlando Magic went to the finals, so he did something. Yeah, yeah. When Jordan retired, <laughs> is, that, is that what we're talking about? I didn't know what we were talking about. <laughs> Maybe you got my blood pressure up because you got me coughing. The year the Orlando Magic went to the NBA finals, if I'm not mistaken, Jordan was on the Chicago Bulls team that got beat by the Orlando Magic. Yes, yeah, nah, so Jordan was there. Jordan got that part of that L. Jordan was he got part of that L. That, that's not true at all. Look it up. Look at I got time. Look it up. He was gone for the '94 season, which is when the Rockets beat the um, I want to say the Knicks, and then that following year, Jordan came back mid-season, and then you know they played him in the playoffs because that's when the the Orlando Magic just got Horace Grant, and there was a big old Horace Grant Chicago Bulls, you know, rivalry, blah blah blah. And they hung that L on Jordan and sent him on hold as they went to the NBA Finals. Yeah, ah, I don't know. Yeah, don't they know. gave you Jordan might, that you L. Might, you might got it. And because that was the that was the playoff series where Nick Anderson came from behind and smacked the ball out of Jordan's hand, and he was talking shit to Jordan. Ah, uh, that's when man, that's when Jordan had on forty five. Man, ain't nobody talking about that Jordan. That ain't the Jordan we know. It ain't the Jordan we know. Okay, if it's if that's not the Jordan, we nah, know. I, I, I'm messing with you. I'm messing okay, with you, okay, gotta say, man, he got my blood pressure going right now, man. We done turned the show into this whole different thing right now. But uh, yeah, so your Mount Rushmore, you got LeBron one, Jordan two, Kobe three, and Shaq four. So before I get you, get you out on her, you mentioned what I wanted to segue to, which was Kobe Bryant's skill set. What's your take on players? 
well, it's been a lot of chatter of people saying today's generation is more skilled than prior generation. What's your take on that? Yeah, I definitely agree. They they should be more skilled. It's like basically what people are saying is like people just got worse after Jordan played basketball. Like, like come on, does that sound realistic at all? Like, no. Like your iPhone generation ten is better than your iPhone generation one. It should get better and, and develop more. And there's nothing wrong with it. They they both equally important. But over time, you should get better and you want to get better. And I think that the guys that put that time and work in and was able to you know, accomplish that. So why, why do you think that people have a hard time of letting go of this 90s and 80s nostalgia? Like, that was just the best basketball ever and that this generation of basketball is just watered down trash. I think today's just haters. They don't want. They don't want somebody to be better than them. It's the same thing as like I tell people all the time. Like you have a son, and he plays basketball. Like you want him to be better than you. Hopefully, he he should be better than you. It's not that like he's not going to be. It's just he's able to do more things and, and work on his craft. But I, I literally don't understand why people think like basketball players stop being good after Jordan in the nineties played, or like it's just, it doesn't make any sense. To me. I'm right there with you, shit. I, I've said this numerous times that every sport is allowed to evolve except for basketball. Basketball is the only sport where it's not allowed to evolve. In football, players get bigger, stronger, faster. Baseball, players get bigger, swing faster. But in basketball, for some odd reason, it got worse. And I just I don't understand how people got that logic. No, nah, it's, it's like saying, like, Tom Brady has gotten better than, than Troy Aikman. Uh, it just... It should happen. It's gonna happen. Like Antetokounmpo is a better defender than the Kimbe Mutombo. Like I don't know what you like. He can guard most position. He had to work on it. The game challenged him to get better in different things, and the, I think that's the difference. The the game challenges players now to do multiple things at a higher level than it did back then. So overall, it makes you better. All right, before I get you out of here, who are the top five who are the best in the game right here today? Top five in the game. Top five. You, you ain't, ain't got to rank them. Just top five players who are the best in the game right now. I'll go Antetokounmpo, mm -hmm. Joe B, Jokic, Luka, and uh, I thought it's Steph. Oh, you ain't got LeBron top five? Nah, but he been he, he is, but he been hurt like the past two seasons. Ain't ain't finished it up. Excuse me, but you know, right situation. I'm gonna take him in front of all of them in uh in the playoffs and the seven game series. But like this overall for the whole season, it, I don't I don't have that right now. Sounds like you got Giannis as the best player in the league right now. That's definitely what it's looking like, just because he's able to make everyone around him around him better. That's what LeBron was doing so good for so many years, but you know this year kind of took it off. You know, some years you're just not a top ten player in the league, and then you know you get your bounce back. So what, what's the Lakers gonna do moving forward with Westbrook and that whole situation? What what they gonna do with that? Uh, I think they're gonna be straight. I think the biggest problem is making sure you know AD's healthy. It's hard for someone like Westbrook to sacrifice, and uh, you know you sacrifice for LeBron and AD to be who they are. But AD might play, then he might not. So then he got to go to his OKC mode, and he got to go back to passing. And so it's a difficult transition, especially being at home in front of your family and all that. You want to show out every single night. So I think he's kind of adjusting to that situation. So with they got Darvin Ham. How, how well do you think he's going to do with this this new Lakers team? 
I think he's going to do extremely well. You know, I played for him. You know, we're kind of close friends. You know, I talk to him frequently. Uh, you now he's a guy that can you know hold everybody accountable, and he's a guy who's won a championship. He he didn't play in the NBA. He understands the the grind and sacrifice everyone has to make to get it done. He just won a championship with the Bucks a year ago, so he understands all that part. And you need someone who's been through the trenches and that you know kind of look like you and understand that. I know y'all making a lot of money, but the money part don't mean anything right now. Y'all want to win, have your legacy, or y'all just want get to the, get the money. I think he can relate that message to them a, a, a lot better than other people. So, since you and Darvin have close friends, does that mean Shelvin Mack about to be on the uh, the coaching staff this upcoming season? <laughs> Not at all. Uh, I, mean, I like where I'm at right now. Stress-free, chilling. I don't, I don't got time to go out there and go on a three-game losing streak and, and be the talk of the town. Everybody, man, don't want to go practice. And, and, and I've been there before. I mean, I, I'm enjoying sitting at home with the family, being able to get on a podcast like this, get on the show, talk, talk my smack, and keep it moving. Is, is coaching anywhere in your future, or you just don't want to do it at all? Right now, not not at all. Uh, unless I can sk- skip a lot of steps. You know, you got to put that, that groundwork in. I, I don't know if I want to do all that. I'm fine. So right now, no, I help out with individual workouts, you know, mentor a few players here and there. Uh, I can do that part, but trying to run a whole team, getting – 10 to 15 guys to buy in on one go is uh it's a task that I don't, I don't want I don't want to do right now. I'm cool. So you talked about it, the Kobe Bryant game where he got no buckets on you. That was Kobe Bryant's Zero. last game. Explain to me the the atmosphere in Staples Center because you are part of history, a, a great part of history, and being a part of Kobe Bryant's last game. So. Talk to me about the the atmosphere leading up to the game while you're in the game and after the game of Kobe Bryant's official last NBA game. So overall, it was it was different. So um we was trying to make the playoff that year too. So it was like a real big game. Like if we win, we in the playoffs. But Houston had a had a lose or win, like now it's playing against the Kings and if the Kings won, they lost their pick. So both teams were trying to lose. It was like crazy. So you score watching the whole time throughout the game, and you don't realize he out here dropping buckets like that. You know it's his last game, but, you know, being competitive, you, you trying to make it to the playoffs, so you're looking up and looking down and realize he wasn't making it. overall, the atmosphere was, like, unbelievable. I've never been in something where no matter what he did, like, everybody just cheered. Uh, he'd go between the legs twice. They'd be like, ooh. <laughs> like, he ain't like, do nothing. Like, what y'all ooing about? Uh, but, you no, know, pulling up to the arena, got the SWAT team outside. You no, know, usually, like, basketball games, you don't have all that. It was just a big moment for everybody in sports. And it, it showed you how much the community of L.A., you know, love Kobe through the ups and downs and winning and, and, and losing, how much he means to them, to those guys. Man, Shell, I appreciate you taking time out your busy day to kick it with me on Conversations with Q. My last question before I get you out of here, who would you like to see as the next guest on Conversations with Q, and can you make that happen? My next guest? Uh, yeah, I can, I can, man. I would say, uh, you know, we've got to keep it in Kentucky. I'm going to go with uh, my, my man Darius Miller. Darius Miller, look that up for me. Make that happen. I got. I love to hear his take on, on UK basketball. Them blowing it this year, all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Don't nobody. Don't know, ain't nobody said 
No, all y'all Lexington ain't talking about no UK basketball since the, since the tournament. I ain't, ain't none of that. Ain't looking forward to next season or nothing. Everybody's just quiet right now. Hey, so, hey, shit. I love to have him hey, on look, the show. I'm a Tar Heel fan, so all of this Kentucky silence is beautiful thing to me. It's beautiful. <laughs> I, they ain't said nothing. All matter of fact, they ain't said nothing for the past two, three years, and I love it. But yeah, we love to have Darius Mill on the show. Hit that connection up and make that happen. Shell, you got anything going on that you want to let the people know about? Uh, right now, I'm just saying, uh, enjoying life, uh, taking care of the family. Just want to, you know, hopefully, you know, we can get everything together in Lexington. You know, stop the violence, keep everything simple, man. Enjoy each other, you know, and, and live life. There it is, Shelvin Mack here on Conversations with Q. We appreciate you kicking it with us. And before we get up out of here, as always, we want you to treat somebody how you want somebody to treat your mama. We up at this thing, y'all. Peace. And you can always check out the Beyond the Game podcast on all major podcast streaming platforms. So wherever you get your podcast at, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you check us out and subscribe. You can always and make sure you also like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you can't sit down and watch us on your phone on YouTube, you can download the Beyond the Game app on your Amazon Fire Stick and sit down and watch us in the confines of your very own home. Also, make sure you download the Beyond the Game app on your iPhone or Android and get notifications every time a new show drops. Well, anyways, I've taken up too much of your time already. I'm getting ready to get on up out of here. Watch some of these NBA games. Make sure you do the same. And as always, make sure you treat somebody how you want somebody to treat your mama. This is your boy, Nephew Q, and I'm up at this thing, y'all. Peace.